welcome to Good Question. This is the podcast that brings you celebrity interviews with our favorites from yesterday and today. And speaking of today, this is our first ever episode, our pilot, our maiden voyage. And who would I rather talk to on our first show than one of my dearest friends and one of America's favorite moms, Marion Ross. Thank you very much for sitting down with me today. Oh, Mr. Rhodes. Full disclosure, we will probably not call each other Marion Ross and Kenny Rhodes. Okay. Because we've known each other since I was 13. Yes. And when I met you, I was, my best friend was your son, Jim Eskimen, smartest, funniest guy I ever met in my life. So when I went to his house, I met his mother and called you Mrs. Meskimen, uh -huh. which I have called you to this day, I whether know. it's true or not. And, and I call you Rhodes, dear. Yes, because Rhodes, dear. Either I didn't know your first name. I don't Rhodes. think you did. So you please, if you please continue to call me Rhodes, dear. It's my all favorite right. nickname of all time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Marion, of course, is probably best known for her role as Mrs. C on Happy Days. But there was a lot that led up to that and a lot that came after, which you can find in her book, My Days, Happy and Otherwise, which is coming out on March 27th, which is the day that this podcast will air. And this is just wonderful. First of all, there's, I only know you from a certain perspective. So I was very interested in your career, uh -huh. but I certainly didn't know the beats and uh -huh. I didn't know the struggle. And I find that especially fascinating. So just to start, you are, do you mind sharing your age with us? No, I don't. How old are you? I'm 80 fucking nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's marvelous. I know. I saw your birthday cake that said happy 80 fucking ninth birthday. I know. I, I don't and not to bury the lead, let's talk about happy days first. Because okay. that's what everyone knows you for, but it's, it's sort of the tip of the iceberg. Um, the show itself, so it ran 11, series, 11 seasons, mm -hmm. 1974 to 84, and was the number one show in America. It was part of the American zeitgeist. And you were one of the three actors that were in everything from the pilot to the final episode, right? Ron Howard and I, and then uh, Anson Williams was in it right from the beginning. And then we had a different father. We had Harold Gould at first, and then we were able to get Tom Bosley, which we wanted. Tell me the, the story of how it, how it started, because it didn't work as a traditional pilot, right? No, we, did, we shot it for Love, uh, and the, Love and the Happy Days, Love and the... What Love American style. Love an American style. So basically, we made this pilot, and uh, it was very different, really, in many ways. Different little girl, different Uncle something, Uncle Festus, <laughs> that kind of a guy, that actor. I think and you had a different number said, of children, didn't you? Oh, that's right, another son. Was the character always named Marion? Yes, they said, what, what should we call you? We, we just call you Marion? I said, well, that's fine with me. Yeah, fine. <laughs> My part was so unimportant. It was like, oh, Howard, oh, Richie, you're not eating. It was very minimal. Tom was the head of the family mm -hmm. and very dominant, very, very dominant. Well, and they played it on Love America style. It was an episode. Which was an anthology show back then of, of sort of almost skits. Different and always changing the stars and changing. So, so it got a good response. So that's why they said, well, maybe here. We kind of put a little bit of a hold on you. And I remember at the time, there was a big interest in the 50s that happened, so that was sort of broad. There was Grease on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. There was American Graffiti, George Lucas's film. Yeah. And then there was Happy Days. And I thought it was roughly that order. But no, Happy Days was actually first, wasn't it? 
there was a beginning of this groundswell for the 50s, and they weren't sure if it was going to hang in there. And then those movies came, and now it got stronger and stronger. Mm -hmm. And the show was really about Ron at first, wasn't it? It was. And the relationship with his father, some wonderful family scenes. I didn't have scenes like that. Not at first. Not at first. But it, it but did happen in well, a large what way. Would, what happened, they would say, uh, uh, Marion, uh, read all those parts of uh, table read, you know, read all the girls and read that other, those other character women because they read all those parts. So I'm, I'm so unimportant, my heart is going, I could just read the shit out of this. I would just give them everything I had. Their heads would turn around. I was constantly auditioning for writers. Because you wanted more? I wanted them to know. They didn't know me. And I wasn't going to shyly sit in the background, which I did, though. Mm -hmm. But when I got a chance... And, and it paid off. Oh, it did, because they would say, oh, why don't we have Marion do that? And, and I, not only that, they liked me a lot. Your on-screen husband um, was the only place where you didn't have an immediate rapport. Is that right? It, Tom was hard. You know, he had, he had gone to Broadway from Chicago. I don't know his whole story, but... Uh, and he starred in Fiorello. And here he was, very young, about 27 years old or something. Big musical. Like. Well, I don't know if he had some other person in mind to play his wife. He didn't care for me very much. He didn't like me at all. If I tried to tell a story, you know, around backstage, or we're all sitting around, he'd say, who gives a shit, Marion? So this, it wasn't subtle. You, you were maybe reading know, it. And they all knew that, he, that that's the way he treated me. So I... I, and for no reason that you knew. No, I couldn't figure it out. So what I did, finally, was I got needlepoint. And I thought, I can't sit here and, and you know, have light, casual talk with all these guys because he's going to get me. Mm. Isn't that something? I have to tell you, this makes me very angry. How dare anyone treat you badly? I know. It was tough. I could go home and cry. I would go home and cry. So I got needlepoint, and I thought, I'm going to do my, I'll just do the needlepoint. I made a lovely tennis racket cover. It's really good. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> we learned, I learned to love him. I said, you know what? We could have world peace. <laughs> well, honestly, if you can do that. I, because I've, I have learned to love him. Mm -hmm. I understand what he is. What he isn't, I accept this and that. I still love him because I could see that he was, a, he's a very good man. And I could see the way the other, how he treated other people and how they treated him. It was just something about me. Maybe I reminded him of somebody. I don't know. I mean, that's just rude. It is rude. So we'll, we'll either we'll cut this or not. But well, but I, I'm, what I'm getting to is that it turned around, didn't it? It Can you did. eventually find a, a make peace with him? Oh, absolutely. He would say to me, uh, Marion, where, where does you, do you go in Kansas when you do those plays? Would, would you ask them if, they, if I could come? I said, sure, Tom. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Look at how far we've come. So you became friends. <laughs> we did. And it's a tribute to your acting that you did. You played it as if you had been a long-time loving couple. I know. I was a very loving couple. You actually had very nice chemistry. Well, we, we made a very good couple together. You did. Yeah. For, and that leads me to what I think is the through line of the book. You never 
You took things on the same way every time by working your ass off. From that time when you were a teenager and you knew you wanted to be a big star, you didn't decide to become a model or to make sure you did it by starving yourself. You decided to study, right? Right. And it was a secret. Secret. Why was so, it a secret? I, I, don't, I don't know. It's very private. Shy in there. Like, most real actors are pretty shy until they can become somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I would look, I would, in fact, I, I would look at people. There was a girl, like this is like in the third grade or second grade or second grade, and they had the cutest little way of talking. They thought, this is, I just love it. So, so right away, I imitated them. I could figure out how to talk like that. Well, they're so damn cute, so cute. Well, we were both sent to remedial. <laughs> a remedial speech class. I snapped right out of it. <laughs> She's there to this day. <laughs> I wanted attention because I was the second little girl in my family, and my brother Gordon, 18 months younger, was a crippled boy. So he was always in a, a, a wheelchair and a cast, his, his leg in a cast. Something was bad in his leg when he started to walk. So they would take a bone out of this leg and graft it into that leg and... Your brother needed help. Oh, he needed, uh, of course, he needed the attention. He wasn't he, being demanding. Got, well, he got the attention. Like we would, he would be in a wheelchair and my sister and I would be there. We were introduced. All the attention went to him. So I learned to be a very good girl. Don't, you know, don't cause any trouble. Don't be any trouble. I think I was artful in getting attention. Mm -hmm. well, your original goal for I years and years? to go to Broadway. Yes. I would go to the library. I, I'm like about ninth and 10th grade and read who's who of famous people. They would say why they were famous and then it didn't, I, I, I thought, well, how'd they get there? How, where's the story that, oh. now they're famous. Now they're famous. <laughs> okay. And I would go to, in the, and read theater arts magazines. And I would see these ads for schools in New York. Oh, New York. Finally, I see an ad for McPhail's School of Music and Drama in Minneapolis. That's 100 miles north of where I live. My mother said, yes, you can go up to Minneapolis, work for a family, take care of their children. At 15? 15. But well, you weren't going for the afternoon. You were going well, for I the year. I went for the summer. And then uh, my mother said, of course. My mother was a Canadian from the high prairies, Irish with, with nothing, and you can be anything. She was That's supportive. That's I was raised. So you went away for the summer and lived with another family? I did and took care of their children and, and uh, took drama lessons. Was pretty homesick. Came home and all my little chums laughed at me. These were the war years. Mm -hmm. My father was down in Panama working for the Navy. Wow. And so it was a time that you would do things that you might not do at another time. I see. And, and then how did you finally get to California? Well, my father, war is over, now the war is over. Mm -hmm. uh, they moved him from the Panama Canal to the Navy base in San Diego. Ah. We sold everything. And we got on the train and we all went. 
by that time, I had been taking drama lessons in Minneapolis. And the one drama teacher said, you can't speak the way you do. Because I had a real nice, you know, Minnesota accent. It was real nice. <laughs> you can't, and you can't breathe the way you do. You have to breathe from your diaphragm. But so by the time, <laughs> by the time I got on the train to go to California, my mother would say, "Don't pay any attention to Marion because because by that time I couldn't talk at all." So <laughs> you were trying she's to do both. Going to be an actress. <laughs> <laughs> and is that where you started at the Globe? Is that when you first started working at the Globe when you moved to San Diego? I did. And I hung around. I hung you... around with those people, you know? I wondered, do I, did I have a parents anywhere? Did anybody <laughs> know where I was, you know? <laughs> you were independent. Well. And your mother trusted you. Yeah. I was all, I was all a dream, you know? I you, wasn't you... gorgeous. I was plain. I was not, there was nothing sexy about me. I was always sturdy. Sturdy, you know, stocky, sturdy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, strong. I outrun any any boy. You never f- cease to amaze me with your self awareness. You you know your strengths and weaknesses. You always have, mm-hmm. and have been able to build on that. Well, I did at the Globe Theater. I did Chekhov's one act play, The Marriage Proposal, and we won. It was a tournament, and we and I won a big trophy. So that, that was a very good start for me. And at some point in here, to talk about your personal life, you met your husband. Well, when I was in college at San Diego State, doing all the plays, we did the play Lilium. That's the play that Carousel's the other, based on. The other woman in it, mm-hmm. right? And then, so that's how I met Effie, and ran off and eloped. I was just 21. <laughs> My mother swore at me. Oh, that was she was not supportive of. Not that I ran off and eloped. Oh, that was the part. Wow. She wanted to give you a big she wedding? She said, God damn you. Oh. My mother. My father cried. What? W- w- uh, because I didn't, I didn't tell them that I was interested in that guy, in that boy. And ran, and I like, I thought it was a dramatic thing to do, too. <laughs> so it appealed to you. Ran off and get married. Effie. Stayed married for 19 years. Right, so it was no, not a frivolous choice. No, I thought he was very attractive and sexy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, tell me about his name. It's, it's a Meskimen. It's, it is a Scottish-Irish name, even though Meskimen is a damn strange name. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Effie. What kind of a name is Effie? His name's because he was little F.H. His father was F.H. Meskimen, so he was little F.H., so then he was little Effie. Oh, <laughs> it just means F. I see. Um, and the two of you, you're very candid in your book about your marriage with Effie and that you really ran things because he had a problem with alcohol. I didn't know that, but he'd come from the war. He was only two years older than I, but he'd been over there in World War II, mm-hmm. and then when he got out, and now he's in the G, on the GI Bill, <clears throat> when, after when we ran off and eloped and got married, then 
we went up to L.A. We were going to be actors. I, I pick up a, a thing from the bulletin board, serve dinner at this place, and you can make some money. Ah. So now I'm serving dinner, and they said, this uh, young lady wants to be an actress. So this man comes in the kitchen, and he said, come and see me. Ah, fine. True. So the next day, I do, and then he says to me, how do you think you're, you're going to get anywhere? I said, well, I'm... I'm a really good actress. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, it's a small part. There's, there's not much to it. There's 10 girls all lined up. Which one do you think they're going to use? I said, well, the one they like the best. Okay, practical. Yep. And he said, now why are they going to like one better than the other? He meant something this else. It took me yes. forever <laughs> to, get, to get this story. And I said, and he said, I can help you. I can take you to parties. I can take you around. We can, I can introduce you to everybody. I said, and I poked him in his shoulder. I said, I can't do th- things like that. You have no character right in there. You have no character. I'm married. I can't do that. You suddenly knew what he meant. Well, I, yes, it all of a sudden became so clear. I love that story because... I what was year so was pure and so... You were also direct and knew who you oh, were. Yes. I didn't put up with anything for one minute. I, most people, as we know from today... Would have said... Did what they okay. had to do because their career came first. You bet. No. I said, you have no character. <laughs> My, I was raised... I had more character than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you obviously didn't get that part. No. And so... He's, and luckily so. Because I had just been married in 51, Not, 51 uh-huh. finally under contract in 1953 at, at Paramount. Paramount. And tell me, what does that mean exactly, to be under contract? Well, I got a seven-year contract. I After see. six months, they could decide whether to get rid of you or whether to keep you. Mm-hmm. I lasted a year. Is that, is that good? Well, it was really uncomfortable being there, I'll tell you. That was not your favorite time. No, because I was an actress, and the other girls were getting ahead of me. They were just getting ahead of me. In fact, I remember sitting on a set, and a girl walked by, and and she said, hi, and the guy said, hi, and the other other guy said, hi, and then one said to the other, I know her. The other one said, I know her, too. So this was still that that. same world. I got that. I got that. And I thought, nobody's going to say that about me. Okay. But meanwhile, I'm not getting anywhere. (laughs) But they weren't giving you anything to do, were they? No. No. They would send you up to have your hair just absolutely glued with spray, (laughs) this heavy spray. And then you take you to makeup and... Change the arch of your brow, change your lips. I mean, and take away all my rosy cheeks. Now I have all this makeup on. I'm I'm a whole different person. <clears throat> so one day, up in makeup, up in hair, in hair, with just two hair dryers, I'm under the hair dryer. Another girl under there. The other girl's finished, and she gets up. Audrey Hepburn. Oh. She was just my age. She was just there to do Roman Holiday. Oh. Charming, 
you want to die. <laughs> I went right out and bought two candy bars and ate them right away. <laughs> <laughs> because you were never going to be Audrey Hepburn. Oh, no, like, God. That's, that, so it's heartbreaking at the same oh, time. The competition, the pain of it, the uncomfortableness of it. Oh, and you weren't, they weren't putting you in big movies. Nothing. And, and then you, and it didn't last. You were, you were dropped after the second option, after, right? Yeah, after, after a year. After a year, I was dropped out. Thank almost goodness. Almost relieved, almost relieved. I'll bet. Yeah. And what did you, you, you must have then had to get out on your own and start picking up roles because you ended up doing some nice movies. Oh, I did. Movies. I, did I, I did right away. And I had my agent, mm -hmm. Jack Wiener. Mm -hmm. He sent me on an interview at CBS. And what was interesting is I was an actress. Mm -hmm. This was live television. All this television was live. So they liked people who had stage background. Ah. Who could sustain themselves, mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise it's not going to cut. Right. Nobody's cutting. Also, I had always done accents. And this was a part for an Irish maid, mm -hmm. Kathleen. And this was Life with Father. And in the play Life with Father, this was Leon Ames and Lorraine Tuttle and all the little red-headed boys. So we, <laughs> we, in the play... The, they get a new maid every act. There's always, father's always firing the maid to get a new one. So I started, and I lasted three years. Oh. In oh. that part. A weekly TV show? Yep. Every, yeah. Theme song. Papa, we were live. We were on. Wow. Wow. Now, at some point during this, you started to have, started your family. And tell me again, who, who was the first person that you told you were pregnant? It was not your husband. No. I, I went off to do Operation Petticoat mm -hmm. with Tony Curtis and Cary Grant, and we went to Florida. And I was a Navy nurse. We're the five of us. And I'm sitting up on top of the submarine, the pink submarine, mm -hmm. one morning off the, off the set, and Cary Grant was there, and he came and sat up beside me on, on the conning tower, on the top up there, and I said, I, I'm, I'm worried if I have to go down in the submarine because I'm just maybe about two months pregnant, I think. Oh, he started to cry. Did he? He didn't have a child at that point, so that was, so what a, what a moment that was. Yes, indeed. There's lots more about your starting years and what got you to Happy Days. It's in the book, and to my listeners, please uh, get a hold of the book, My Days, Happy and Otherwise, and read it yourself, because it's wonderful, the steps that you took, and that the through line is you were always practical and hardworking, and nobody handed you anything, right? You worked hard. I figured hard. out that I had to dig it out. Yeah, that I had to do it. The one thing from this period that I do want to ask you about I thought was so fascinating in such a small way. The linoleum epiphany, which could be a Robert Ludlum title, but it's at one point you were as down as you could be. I was. Right? I was. I was going to the shrink. I cry all the time, you know. And, Just because life as an actress is getting, hard. Oh, right? Well, I'm getting divorced. I have two children to, to raise. Life is, it's all, yeah, my career is shot. Everything is bad. Mm -hmm. So, I had to keep the house going. And I even rented out one of the bedrooms to this college girl. 
And, and roughly when is this? 1970 something? Yeah. Somewhere so, in there? Yeah. Okay. In the, and in the kitchen, we had this as, big squares of asphalt linoleum, brown, speckled brown tones. Mm -hmm. And everybody had that kind of. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> one of them was breaking up and chipped and breaking. And I had seen in the garage a piece of that linoleum. So, see, I, as, as, as bad as I, bad off as I would be, I, my whole nature is positive and what can I do to do, you know, fix this whole yes. thing. So I heat that piece of linoleum up in the oven till it's quite pliable and then put the, all this glue on there and fixed it. <laughs> fixed it. Like, I did, I, some control, some control of life, right? Right. And I thought, I want to go out and put a sign on the door, out dancing till 2 a.m. <laughs> gave me <laughs> such a lift. I'm in here fixing the linoleum. <laughs> and that's, for some reason, turned around your attitude. Yes. So things turned, I mean, there was, you had your luck, you had your good luck and your bad luck, but yeah. you stuck with it. Yeah. Now, to jump forward, you did, you went through many Trials and tribulations, you turned it around yourself, you got into the movie Airport, I keep saying airplane, Airport, where you took virtually the role of an extra, but one who had to act, as it, everyone did in that movie that was in the airplane, yeah. and things started happening. And it ultimately led to happy days, right? People you yes, met and- absolutely, yes. So this, in fact, the lesson is sometimes you have to step back, back instead of forward, mm -hmm. step back. And let things happen. And that gave me, the, then, the things that happened sent me forward. And I went to do the pilot of Happy Days. And I will leave the viewers to go go get the details on your own, because it's a wonderful story. Yeah. You did Happy Days. Life is different. Now you have, finally, income and a steady job and fame. And things are, it, this is the life you, it's not Broadway, but it is the life you hoped for. And it comes to, as everything finally does, 11 years is a good run for anything, mm -hmm. but it does finally come to an end. Was that crushing for it to be over? I panicked. I ran straight to the Globe Theater and got in a play yes. right away. I was like, I, I, I couldn't bear it. That but I love that that's your version of panic. Uh, yes. You went and did something. Uh, so, but see, that was my reaction, was... Get back to work. I got I to do something. Yeah. I had to control this, try to control this business. Mm -hmm. and, and really, ever since then, you've done plays. You did another series. You did the wonderful Brooklyn Bridge. Wonderful Brooklyn Bridge series. Which was not as popular as Happy Days. Nothing really could be. No, but no. was, in many ways, even more fulfilling, it, it sounds was, like. Well, it, uh, it was highly esteemed. Yes. And nobody was watching it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A.C. Lyle said to me one time at Paramount, he said, yes. He said, oh, yes, Brooklyn Bridge, with a hit like this, we can go bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to play a character different than you'd ever played. I played a Jewish-Polish grandmother. And a tough one. And a tough one. I just reveled in preparing and studying for that thing. Was it because she was, was Sophie more, was there more depth to the character or was it just so different than anything you'd done? Or oh, both? Jewish women run their families. They run their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So it was just was, and the fact that I had an accent, mm -hmm. I probably couldn't even do it now, <laughs> you know. And it was so hard to audition for. I must have auditioned four, five, six times. There was always some actress in New York who wanted to give it a try. Oh, okay. So you, again, worked hard. I even worked though you were really at the hard top of it. your game. I could never work as hard as I did on that. And yet it was easy for me. Somehow, somewhere inside of me yes. is that woman. Yes, the they drive. Would, they would joke. They would say, you come here, Marion Ross. You go in your dressing room. You come out. You're Sophie Berger. And you're that all day long. Is there a character, is there a type of role that you have trouble playing, that you don't take easily to? I would think, you know, what's tough is that the ingenue roles are not well written. No, that's true. So it's... They're not much to work with. The more you can get into character work, these are interesting roles for men and women. You don't want to be just a leading lady. There's not enough handles there, hooks. I love that. All right, I think I'm going to let that be our final beat. I think that's a wonderful place to end. I see. I love these early Please. stories. Please, yes, yes, yes. Can and you say something at the end of your book. You write, I know some people say that they've made peace with their age. That's not for me, you say. How can you make peace with something you aren't at war with? Oh. I love that. Uh, yeah. You are perfectly happy being who you are, aren't you? Oh, yes. At the time of life? And yes. No. I'm not at war with this at all. No. Well, Mrs. Meskimen, thank you. It's been an absolute treat. I could talk to you all day. I think oh, I might have, in fact. I've had a <laughs> wonderful time. Thank you so much for doing this with us. And thank you to my listeners. Keep an eye out for more Good Question where you download your favorite podcasts and make sure to run out and get My Days, Happy and Otherwise by Marion Ross. Thank you, my dear. I love so you. Good. I love you, John.